0: What's up, everyone? My name is B, and you are listening to the Brand Eye podcast. This podcast talks about navigating our 20-somethings, the good, the bad, and the ugly parts of our journeys, and learning to embrace every part of your story, because your life is your brand, and so many people would benefit from just seeing you live authentically. No one has all of the answers. We're all trying to figure it out. Hi everyone. I'm so excited because we have Vivian Harper back for part two of the financial wellness um, mini series, I guess I'll call it. And last week we talked a lot about budgeting and the implications of not having a budget, which that's something I know that I need to work on. I don't budget at all. I just kind of close my eyes and swipe till it just can't swipe anymore so Vivian welcome back thank you for coming back to hang out with us Oh, of
1: course such a great time thanks for having me
0: yeah and I'm excited because this week we are going to be talking about credit cards and buying homes and all of that great stuff which is last week we talked a lot about building and now we're going to talk about how can you use that progress that you've made to create something new cool and then I really wanted to ask you too if you talk a lot with your clients about the scarcity mindset versus like the abundance mindset, because I know that for me um, I'm recently learning about this, and something that I learned is sometimes when people have a scarcity mindset, they think that they're all they're never gonna have enough money no matter what happens, or they they just see things and through the lens of um, what's lacking rather than all of the possibilities and it sounds like you've been talking about possibilities that we have regardless of where we where we're at or the decisions we've made
1: absolutely i'm excited to be here today one of my friends told me this he said the money is already printed you just gotta go get it mm. and that when he told me that he went wrong and when he said that to mm. me it reminded me that there's a second chance, a third chance, we're gonna make something happen. That money's out here, somebody's getting it. Right. And so we just have to make that happen. Um, But I'm excited to talk about credit and, and a myriad of other things because there are tools to get us to that next level.
0: Yeah, you already have me excited. And so you walked us through the basics and well, I mean, I feel like Credit 101, 201, and 301. So thank you for bearing with my questions. I'm always just so interested. But let's talk about credit cards, because I feel like they are very polarizing. Mm, Yeah.
1: I think we have to take a step back um, and talk about credit as a whole and Mm. then get to credit cards. I think the first step um, for us before we think about credit cards is just thinking about pulling our credit report. Um, Brandy, how often do you think folks pull their credit reports?
0: Based on personal experience, never. Yeah.
1: Um, Most folks tell me I got credit card, or I got this free resource I got this resource And that's cool I think those are really great resources But um, the federal government Gives us access to our credit reports um, A couple times a year
0: Oh a couple? Yeah It's
1: through a site It's called annualcreditreport.com Okay Now don't go on Google And say creditreport.com Annualreport.com But annualcreditreport.com now, because of COVID, uh, the federal government has been giving us access to our credit reports at no cost every single week. Mm. And at some point, they're going to change that. But you can check those reports and yeah. see what's on there. I tell people all the time, check your reports. You know why? 70, nope, I'm thinking about all the clients I met with. At least 85% of the clients I've met with, there has been something wrong with their credit report. And if there's 85%, at least. And if there's something wrong with your credit report, nine times out of 10, it's negatively impacting the report. So here's the thing. You know, my friends, they're like, oh, I got the greatest credit in the world. I don't have to check my report. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. I had one friend. He said, I pay everything on time, every single time. I'm never late, blah, blah, blah. I said, do me a favor and check your report. He Uh-oh. checked it. And you know what? What? There showed a late payment. 20 years of credit history. That You know, one late payment was in the last, like, maybe 12 months. He couldn't believe it. All of his stuff is on auto pay. And so he had to look at that report and say, you know what? I need to contact the credit bureaus and get this fixed. Mm. And so I asked folks to check it. You're able to go to annualcreditreport.com and check it at no cost. Look at your report. I'll be honest with you. My name is Vivian Harper. My mother's name is Vanita Harper. Our names are similar. We've lived at the same address before. Mm. I looked at my report one day and it showed people's gas on there at like whatever year and I was a small child. Mm. There's no way I would've had a people's gas bill, right? Yeah. I had a client, his name is Larry Johnson, or you know? He has a son that's Larry Johnson Jr. And all of his stuff was reflecting on dad's report.
0: Check wow. your reports. And what should you be looking for on a report? Because you asked me to look at my report. i like, mm. you're not wrong. Go on the report and look and see if your name
1: is correct on that report. Mm-hmm. See if those addresses are really connected to you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with you guys. People don't need your social security number to pull your report. They need your address. <sighs> wait i hate to say that i don't wait, even want to listen yeah. no, no 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 are you serious 100 percent. i could pull a soft report on you right now with just your address and your name
0: wait have you ever done that? with no. my clients no, no.
1: <laughs> with my clients with permission with something in no, writing no, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure by just letting you know it's that simple i have your exact address i have your exact name i don't need a social security number so I want to make sure when folks go and pull their reports, make sure that those are the right addresses. Mm. All those old addresses, if it was me, I'd contact those um, credit re- bureaus and say, delete them. Wow. I don't live here anymore. I never lived here. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we want to make sure the name, the address is correct. The social security number is correct. Mm. We want to make sure that those accounts are correct. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes you may have gone to Home Depot and applied for a credit card, or maybe you didn't. Yeah. And you see someone has applied. If that's not correct, let's call those credit bureaus and say, hey, this is incorrect. Right. That could negatively impact your score. So right now, it's at no cost. Hmm. Go and check every week if you want to. But I think um, if I had to think about uh, the best way I would do it, I do it quarterly. I check okay. mine quarterly.
0: Okay. So a couple times a year. This is crazy. Now, yeah. is it true? That if I do want to raise my credit, because growing up, I feel like credit cards were demonized in my household because my parents didn't have the tools to make like, you know, they had great jobs, but I don't know that they knew how to be. They weren't very finance. They weren't financially literate until a certain age, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so there were a lot of things I didn't learn. But one thing I did learn were credit cards were evil. So I did not have a credit card until I was like over 21. But that really hurt me. Yep. So are credit cards bad? So
1: (laughs) you know I was here last week. And um, I said, let's get a budget together. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. First line of defense is let's learn how to manage our money. But once we get a quick mastery over that, credit cards are not bad. And you would be negligent not to use credit cards
0: Mm. now. Uh, um,
1: Yeah, I'll give you strategies on how to use a credit card. But for me, I don't own a debit card. I don't see a value in a debit card. I don't see any reason why a person should have a debit card. I actually think those are more evil than
0: a credit card. Oh, evil is a strong word too. Yeah. So even if someone is building their credit, not for people who are high up there, for people building their credit, it is okay for them you would also say that they
1: need a credit card. A hundred percent. There's no way to have quote unquote good credit without having a credit card. But don't you also have to have
0: like willpower or self discipline? Yep,
1: those are important. So that's why last time I was here, I talked about budgeting. Let's get a mastery over where our money is going and then let's get a strategy. Mm. So let's talk about me. I was bankrupt, trying to figure out my life. You think somebody going to give me a credit card? (laughs) Maybe. No, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) You don't pay people back. We're not giving you a chance. Right. Right. So for me, to reestablish myself, I tell people who have gone through bankruptcy, you have to reestablish yourself. You have to prove that you're worthy and you know how to manage money. So nobody's going to give you a credit card. Hmm. You're going to have to get something called a secured credit card. A secured credit card means that you have to put your money up as collateral. Mm. They're not giving you their money. You have proven that you don't pay people back, right? So put your money on the line. So for me, I got out of bankruptcy. I learned about the Fair Credit Reporting Act. I did all these things, and um, nobody was gonna give me no credit card. My Mm. credit was three fifty. Credit score started three fifty. I was at three fifty. dollars <laughs> So I had to contact a bank. I contacted Capital One and I said, hey, can I get a secured credit card? Uh-huh. So the secured credit card is I had to put my own money up front. So Capital One said, send us $200 right now. And when you send us $200, we're going to send you back a piece of plastic. And the only amount on that card is $200. Yeah. And you prove to us you know how to pay.
2: Hmm.
1: And I just had to do that. And that was my first step to improving my credit. Now, listen to what I just said. My credit score was at 350. Hmm. What I did was I got that secure credit card. And at that point, I was a teacher. So when I was teaching, we didn't get paid over the summer. Mm-hmm. So I didn't use that credit card every day. But I'm not going to lie. I used it to do small items, right? Maybe a loaf of bread, maybe gasoline for the week. But you know what I did. I paid it back every single month, every dollar. Yeah. It was only a two hundred dollar limit. I used thirty dollars. I paid them off every single month, one time, every single time. Hmm. Only for six months. Score went up eighty points. Oh wow. There's some people that's listening to you right now who need an eighty point difference, and they're looking at their credit report, and all they need to do is go get a card. Yeah. A secure card. It's their money, but that's okay. Yeah. Every single month, I paid on time. Every single time, I did that for an eighteen-month period. By the time I was done, I was at seven hundred.
0: And did it report to all three credit bureaus, or Absolutely. just one? It,
1: it reported to TransUnion. It reported to Equifax. It, it reported to Experian. That Vivian's paying. She's paying a credit card on time. They don't care that it's secured. They don't care that it's your money up as collateral. They pay. They care about every single month and on-time payment. Mm. They also care about that I paid it off every single month. I didn't just pay the minimum. Now, if you can only pay the minimum, that's still good, too.
0: Right. So does it count against you if you're only paying the minimum? A little bit, but not so much. The most important thing,
1: the most important thing, the most important thing, the most important thing, (laughs) thing is to pay on time every single time. Yeah. That's 35% of a credit score. Right. Not how much you pay. That's 30%. Right. But... 35% 35% is paying on time every single time. Wow. Okay. But honestly, that's the one we can control at least. That's. I mean, if I can't get income, how could I pay it on time? But for me, I started with a $200 secured card. Mm. And I paid it on time every single time. But let me tell you this, Brandy, personally. I was on the account, but I did something else. I added my son to the account. Hmm. And I know you're like, why would you add a kid to your credit card account? No, you're helping him. Because I knew if I put Jay on there, I'm never going to be late. I'm never going to mess his oh. name up.
2: Oh, wow.
1: That inspired me to never be late. Wow. Even if I couldn't pay that whole card off, I was like, I'd be darn if I do something wrong to Jay. So that made me make sure I paid on time every single time. 120 days, score went up. 108 days later, score went up again. Just bad that one card.
0: That's beautiful though. And honestly, I say that because I actually know a lot of people whose parents opened stuff up in their names and didn't pay it off. So ooh, we know a lot
1: of those people,
0: yeah. Yeah. And so then they kinda enter into the world to adulthood and then they are already set back. And that's so I think about when you say wealth begets wealth. Yep. But I think wisdom begets wisdom. Yep. Debt, you debt, right? <laughs> so, so oh in that gosh. moment,
1: you may say, Well, why do I need a credit card to get good credit? Right. Where well, there are three credit bureaus, and you alluded to that TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. Right. How would they know that you know how to pay credit cards unless you,
0: you have, have a credit, credit card. card?
1: But who's going to give you a credit card when you have proven you don't pay people back? Right. So, that's why you get the secure card with your money as collateral. And you pay it back on time every single time. That was the greatest thing I did.
0: Now, I know that there are so many credit cards out there in the world. But I've also called you because I'm like, oh my gosh, Viv, um, this app told me, like whatever financial app told me that I should get this kind of credit card. And I was about to get it. But you stopped me and said, based on the goal that you have, this would actually be a better credit card. Mm -hmm. So how can we determine what is the right credit card for us based on um, the health of our credit and the goals that we have. Yeah, this
1: is good. So it takes us back to step one. Step one, let's look at the report and see where we stand Mm credit-wise. If we're standing pretty good credit-wise, meaning that we have good credit and we'll talk about what good credit means, then we can think about different credit cards. What was your goal at that time? Was it?
0: I think it was Oh, I wanted points, because you told me about points, which I know we'll get into, but I wanted like really cool points. Yep.
1: So there's different credit cards for different reasons. Some people want cash back. Some people want to save money. Some people want best online shopping. For me, I wanted travel. Mm. I wanted to see the world. Yeah. And so I went to, you can go to Nerd Wallet. You can actually just kind of Google. But I'll just tell folks, if you say, I pay my bills on time. I have a mastery over covering that, and I just want to travel then there's a couple cards that you want to consider. So I already talked about the secure card because the secure card is for folks who are rehabilitating their credit, getting a second chance and just building up and proving they know how to pay.
0: Um, before you get into the other yeah. end of the spectrum for the people in the middle yep. who are kind of like, you know, they're doing okay, but then they want points. Yeah, Is there an option for them too? Yeah.
1: So for me, um, think about who you bank with already, who you have a banking relationship with. A bank with Bank of America, a Bank with Chase, whoever it is, if they see that, you know, you don't got no overdrafts and you have money coming to their bank every month, that's a good card to consider. They have a card. Every bank has a card. Mm-hmm. Every credit union has a credit card. So consider those initially.
0: Okay. If you're like in the middle. In the middle. Okay. Yep. And then for the people that have it all together. If you <laughs> yeah. get it all together. I, <laughs> you better
1: be getting a bang for your buck you should not be spending one dollar and not earning points from it Mm. you're gonna leave here sitting with me and you're gonna go to the grocery store if you just think that the grocery store is a transaction between you and the grocery store then you are not thinking thoroughly you need to think about this is a transaction between me and the grocery store and i'm getting points so That could look like using a Chase Sapphire. That could look like using American Express. That could look like using a City Premier, whatever it is. I have different charts that I send to clients to figure out what makes the most sense. But you shouldn't be having a financial transaction without getting points in some type of capacity. Hmm. Me, I love Uber Eats. I love eating out. I love fine dining. So for me, (laughs) what made the most sense Uh was the American Express gold card. And let me tell you this about American Express. I think there's some type of like novelty in having American Express. People love to throw it around. So sometimes you'll see folks with an American Express Platinum card, mm-hmm. and I don't think that that's a bad card to have. But there's an annual fee of nearly seven hundred dollars. Oh, but guess what? It gets you into the airport lounges at no cost. Mm-hmm. If you travel a lot, you probably want access to that, right? Right. I do travel a lot, but what I do more than travel is eat, eat out. out. <laughs> so instead of getting the American Express Platinum, I got the American Express Gold. Because mm. you get $120 of points every single year for Uber. Yeah. So when we leave this conversation, if you want to get Uber Eats, I'm going to get points for oh, that. I'm going to get. Are you going to
0: order me a cinnamon roll? I mean,
1: I could. No. I'm getting $120 a year for it, wow. might as well.
2: Yeah.
1: Or if I want to Uber to whatever location I'm going to, I'm getting credit for that.
0: You know what I mean? And it's funny because I'm thinking about what you said last week, and you talked about knowing where every single penny goes. Mm -hmm. And now I see why it's so important to exercise or, yeah, to practice that because now – you have a credit card and you're going to want to know where every single penny goes because you have to pay every single penny back.
1: Exactly. So here's the thing. I love that you said you have to pay every single penny back. I treat my credit card like a debit card. So if I know I only make a $1,000 a week, I'm never going to spend over a $1,000 on that credit card because all I'm going to do is I'm going to use it to swipe for groceries and swipe for gas, and then I'm going to take whatever's in my checking account and pay that off. And I know you might say, "Well, why wouldn't you just get gas on your debit card or get gas or get groceries on your debit card?" Did you get any points for that? Mm-mm. No. So when I went to the grocery store earlier this week and spent $120, then that just would have been a simple transaction of $120, but because I put it on my American Express Gold, then I'm going to get four points for every dollar I spent. So $120 times four, that is what I'm going to get in points. Right now I have 250,000 points. Right. And you might say, why are points important? A couple reasons. You could travel. You can use those points to pay down your credit card. You can use those points to do a myriad of things, buy gifts. You know, my friend, she uses her points to get gift cards for people for their birthday. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. Now, could she do that if she was using her debit card every single time? Now, again, this isn't for a person who hasn't mastered money yet.
0: Yeah, and I was going to say, it's not a traditional credit card either, right? It's
1: not. It's a charge card. So you have to pay off every single dollar at the end of the term of it, at the end of the month. Oh, they
0: don't play about their credit. Oh, yeah, Lord, they are not going to play about that. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying like, Something like the Sapphire card from Chase mm-hmm. is maybe a little bit of a better option where you still are getting a lot of points, but you're building your credit. So, or is that a charge card too?
1: It's a charge card too. It's home. Yeah. So all but the good let's points about, are with
0: charge cards.
1: Nope. Um, Capital One Venture credit card. It's for travel. Um, Bank of America has a card. Um, American Express Blue, their credit cards. And the reason you may say, well, what's the difference between a credit card and a charge card?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: With a charge card, you are gaining points. But it's not reflecting how much you're paying every month to those entities. Yeah, A traditional credit card really reflects. Brandy paid us $200 this month. Brandy paid us $300 this month. And that builds credit. Okay. So that's why I'm glad you mentioned you need those middle credit cards but before you get them you just want to look and make sure do they benefit you if you don't eat out then why would you get an eaten out credit card do you if you don't need gasoline don't get a gasoline type of
0: card yeah and so and i get, feel like this approach is really popular right now like yeah. you know i even see some of my friends on facebook like saying that they wrote books or journals so that people can buy it and learn how to do it mm-hmm. but what are some of the cons to this approach like if what kind of characteristics i want to say If you have certain characteristics, are there things that you should look out for? Like if you are someone who's not as disciplined.
1: Number one, if you're not disciplined, I want us to hold off on credit cards until we become disciplined. (laughs) If you're not a person who allows things to be on auto pay, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: then I don't want you to play the points game right now. You have to get comfortable in knowing. There's so many people tell me, I'm scared of auto pay. You know why I like auto pay? I love auto pay. Because it's going to guarantee you're going to pay it on time every single time. Every and single time. And that's the most important part of building credit. I don't care what anybody says. Delete this, do this. There's nothing more important than paying something on time every single time. So for me, you need discipline. You need to be a person who has your stuff on auto pay. And then you need a goal. For me, that goal was Travel. If the goal is, I know I'm going to eat out and I want to cover my eating out expenses, then we can transition into the points cards. But if if we're really just trying to build credit, A, we start with a secure card. If your credit's better than that and it's at least 620 then you can get like a standard traditional credit card that you pay on time every single time.
2: Hmm.
1: Now let's talk about credit cards for a moment. I I got to demystify something, Please what i've noticed is that there are folks who get credit cards and they pay them off and then they close the card because they like i'm scared yeah that's the worst thing you could do
0: really yeah why so here's
1: the thing when you're building credit the most important thing is paying on time every single time great second most important thing is how much do you pay great but the next thing is the amount of time you've had a credit card open Hmm. So one of my friends, she got a credit card at Ashley Furniture back in college. Mm -hmm. How often do you buy furniture, Brandy? Very rarely. Yeah. I mean, every three to five years, maybe longer. I mean. Right. So she got that credit card at Ashley Furniture because they said if you open a credit card, you save 10%. You know, we hear that all the time. Yeah. And um, she got the card and she didn't need it anymore. And so she didn't use it one year, two years, up to five years. She didn't use it. They closed the card. They said she's not using it. Right. But it tanked her credit score. Because the third most important thing about having a great credit score is how long have you had a credit card open? Mm. And we can't buy, we can't recreate time. Right. You know what I mean? So if she had kept that card open for five years, it would have showed she had five years worth of credit history. But because she wasn't using a the card, they closed it. So she lost all those years of credit history.
0: Oh, wow. And I am someone who, if I go over budget on my credit card, then I lock it or I like hide it mm-hmm. somewhere in my home so that I cannot use it. Yeah. Is there a certain amount of time that you should, you should not go without using your credit card? Excellent question.
1: I am a person who has 21 credit cards, probably oh, more. Wow. Um, I mean, in. I don't use them all. You know what happened to me? Just me, the quote-unquote guru. I got a letter last month. They said, you haven't used this credit card in a year. We're gonna close it. I had that credit card for 10 years. I said, what do I do to keep it open? Right. So I'm always gonna advise a person to use a card once a year. That's part one. But part two is be careful where you're opening credit cards. Don't open a credit card at Ashley Furniture if you're only gonna go there every five years. Right. I don't know if you've ever been in Best Buy. I have a Best Buy credit card. And um, I bought my Mac on the credit card to save, whatever. If you ever go in Best Buy, at the counter, they have water bottles. Um, they have candy. Mm-hmm. Why would they be selling it at a technology store? Because they know that if a person is not going to buy technology over the next three years, they still got to come in there and at least buy a water oh. bottle to keep the account live. So sometimes if I... So I bought my Mac three years ago. I'm not gonna use Best Buy anymore, but I don't want that card to go dormant. Oh, wow. So sometimes I go in there and buy a bottle of water, swipe and pay it right off, just
0: so the uh, the credit card stays live. Wow. And, you know, someone made a good point to me that they just bought something from Best Buy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I forgot what it was, but something really expensive. Yeah. And they had the cash for it, Yeah. but they opened up a credit card there because they were like, wait a minute, That's 15 months of no APR. Yep. And I get a discount. And I save 20%. So I could just put that money towards the credit card. Yep. And then I I walk out ahead.
1: Brilliant. So yeah, I love when people do that. If you have the money to buy this big ticket item, right? Mm -hmm. You have the money in your hand, cash in your hand, and they're willing to give you a credit card and save 20%, then open a credit card, swipe for that purchase, and then immediately pay it off. Now you didn't save 20% on that item. The only thing about that is that that card is live now. And we got to keep it live every single year. That's why we can't open cards everywhere. If you know you don't go to Big Lots, if you know you don't go to Victoria's Secret, then don't just open it to save
0: 10% because you got to at least use it once a year. And it's funny because um, the first time I bought a car, I remember I had more than enough mm-hmm. to pay off the car from the dealership. Mm-hmm. But... Someone told me they're like, "Wait, before you do that, make sure that you know you're able to pay it off ahead of time, mm-hmm. or else it's gonna hurt you more than it is to just pay it." You know, like to just pay the cart notes. Is that? So when we think about cart notes, it works a little bit different
1: okay. with a with a auto loan or any loan. The loan is saying, hey, I've taken out this loan for a principal amount, and I'm going to pay it over time. If you pay it early, that means you've deviated from the agreement of the loan. Yeah. And so I know people are going to hear me on this podcast. And there are people who are able to pay their car loans off in advance. You just can't because you agreed to the 60-month yeah. loan. You agreed to the 72-month loan. What I tell people is if you want to do that, like you got the cash, pay off the principal balance as much as you can and leave $1,000 on there, mm. on the balance. And then pay them every single month for 72 months. I know this doesn't make sense to people. It does. It makes sense. But what I'm saying is, is that loans are different than credit cards. Loans are installment amounts that you have to send them an amount every single month. Right. That shows consistency. Right. So even if you had a $30,000 car and you have $30,000, if it was me, I would pay $29,000 of that car off. And then every month send them something because mm. all they need to see is that she paid for 72 months, 60 months, or whatever, 48
0: months. It doesn't matter if it's $10 or $20. They just need to see the payment every single month. And it's funny because with credit cards, I feel like that's something well, that people say, yep. too. Or they say, don't pay it off right away. You know, like if you go into the store and buy something, don't go then pay that money and put that money towards your bill because it's not going to count Wait, no,
1: that's different with credit cards. See, so that's why I am right. like, Wait and a that's why I'm glad we're doing this because no one's talking about the the differences in credit cards and installment loans. Yeah. Installment loans, you just want to show you paying every single month on time, every single time. Right. Credit cards are different. I don't like when people get on here and tell y'all, pay two payments a month. Don't pay it all off. Yeah. Pay it all off. Pay it all off, pay it all off, pay it all (laughs) off. You don't have to do two payments. What people don't realize is that there's a payment date Mm -hmm. and there's a reporting date. So let's say you have a credit card with Chase Mm -hmm. and your payment date is on the 15th. Mm -hmm. But they report to the credit bureaus, the people who give you a credit score, they report to them on the 11th.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, you
1: don't make that payment to the 15th. So they're going to report to the credit bureaus, this is how much she owes. And so when people say pay twice, it's not pay twice. It's pay before the reporting date.
0: Oh. If you
1: want to know what the reporting date is, call your credit card um, holder and say, what's my reporting date? Or Credit Karma is a great resource for that. Okay. They may not be the best resource for everything, but they're going to tell you what your reporting date is. Pay before the reporting date.
0: Interesting. Okay. So you've given us a lot of great tips about credit cards and paying them off and managing them. And I'm trying so hard not to ask too many questions that are going to take us into the weeds. So (laughs) we can move on to you. Let's say we get back on track, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We're taking all of your advice and we're making all of these great decisions. But then what happens when your plan just goes unexpected and you make some major mistakes and I won't even say mistakes because you were just telling me that you know with the economy and inflation that is impacting how people are able to for some people who are able to pay off their balance every month you're seeing clients that now struggle with that and it's not because they are poor with money management but it really is because of the circumstances so what happens when that when that occurs what do you do So
1: here's the thing. We have to not hide from that. Mm. You might be great with money management. You've always paid things on time. But the circumstances, like you said, are a lot different. The first line of defense is to contact whomever you owe. Mm. I tell people I'm a human before anything. Right. I'm a client before anything. So I call the banks and I say, you know what, bank? Y'all got an interest rate for me right now at blah, blah, blah percent. Mm Mm-hmm and i'm drowning and i want to pay you and I have a proven track record of paying you right what can you do yeah that is a 60 second
0: phone call yeah we gotta do it
1: we have to call whomever we owe and say what can you do so i can continue to pay you
0: but it's really interesting because um it might have been on twitter or someone told me something that they did but they owed a hospital a lot of money and instead of running from it they actually called and said i don't have the money to pay you and i think she said that like they cut her bill in more than half you know and she ended up having to pay a tiny amount but she was saying like just really call them because you never know what will come from that conversation
1: a hundred percent now i'm not saying call collection agencies i'm call i'm saying contact your direct a person that you've signed an agreement with that you're going to pay. I love what that person said because I've had that experience with a client. A client told me, hey, I got this medical debt, blah, blah, blah. How do we remedy it before it goes to collections? I said, contact the hospital. Mm. Ask if there are any options. And just like your friend or just like whomever, that's exactly what they did. They said, you know what? We're willing to cut this debt and you pay us this and then we'll eradicate everything else. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, the most important thing is to get it in writing. I don't let nobody tell me nothing on the phone. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you sharing that with me over the phone. (laughs) Can you send me that in writing? (laughs) Right. Once they send it in writing, we're good because even if they deviate from that, Mm -hmm. we have a document that we can send to the uh, credit agencies, the credit bureaus and say, well, they said they do this contingent on this Mm. so if you call my first line of defense things are going awry i'm not able to make payments call and see hey what are my options they say these are the options thank you for that can you send it over in writing can you send it to me in an email really fast can you do a recap of what we discussed via email and now you got that screenshot Mm. but they are willing to help yeah. I don't care if you got a 24% interest rate on that credit. Card. I'll call them and say, you know what? I've been paying you on time every month. Can we take it down 22%, 20%? Yeah. The worst case scenario is no. The best case scenario is no problem.
0: Right. So, yeah. That's really interesting. Um, especially, and you also did say last week, too, that if you are going to speak with a collection agency, Make sure that you are working with an expert or someone who knows what they're talking about before trying to navigate that relationship with them, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Let's recap on that. What happens is this. Um, The collection agency is calling us nonstop, scam likely, scam likely, and we take the call. When we take the call, it's okay to say, hey, thank you for calling me. Can you send me all of that in writing? Mm -hmm. Because that gives you a chance to review, review everything and determine, is this really accurate? Or show it to an expert, is that really accurate?
0: And what questions should you not answer without speaking with an expert first if a collection agency does call you?
1: People aren't gonna agree with me, but it's okay to say, this is me, this is my phone number, this is my address. Mm. That is all. This is me. This is my phone number. This is my address. Okay. That's it. This is me. This is my phone number. This is my address. Nothing more. After that, send it to me in writing. Okay. We don't typically do that. Well, I don't typically talk over the phone. Send it to me in writing. Yeah. Once you get that, we anybody
0: can go from there. Yeah. That's awesome. And I love that you've been talking about how do you kind of build a life um, with, you know, financial health. How do you create financial health and wealth so that you can create the life that you do want to live? Mm-hmm. And so, the last few questions that I have for you are around buying a home. Um, and what things should you be considering before buying a home? Or is buying always more beneficial than renting? So, Oh,
1: this is going to be interesting. My realtors, they're going to be like, bad, 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 bad. And (laughs) I agree, buy. Because there's a chance that there's going to be appreciation and you're going to benefit from that. Mm -hmm. But there's advantages to both.
0: Because I feel like some people don't think about when you do buy a home, there are things that you're not... There are variable costs, like you talked about, because you were talking about writing out your fixed versus variable costs. But then that kind of complicates things a little bit because... Your AC went out You don't have the landlord To pay for it
1: That's my point Renters Have no maintenance costs At all Any amenities If it's a laundry facility If it's a gym There's no cost Or it's already included In the rent
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And yeah You do have to put down A sizable I guess deposit On the front end Maybe on the back end But renters, they typically have lower utilities. I hate to say that. Oh, really? Yeah. And there's a flexibility in that. Me, They call me like a nomad. They were like, Vivian, you travel all the time, blah, blah, blah. blah. You're never going to be stable in one place. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not stable in one place, guess what? I rent. Mm -hmm. And I got the credit. I got the income. I can buy something. But until I've stabilized where I want to live, I don't feel compelled to buy just yet. Yeah, you know what I mean. But there's benefits to owning, and that's that appreciation piece. But if you don't have nobody to fix those gutters, if you don't have anybody to cut that grass, and or the buy, extra income, the extra you, wiggle room. Yeah, you you don't know what your income looks like. I have a lot of friends who do um, flex work or do like gig work. Mm-hmm. That's not a good time to be buying a home. You don't know what your income is going to be yeah i also have a lot of friends who are in student loan debt oh uh oh, that is the reason why most of us as millennials don't buy Mm -hmm. nobody want to talk about that but let's go there
0: let's go because they say i heard that you should have no more than you should be less than forty thousand dollars in debt before even considering buying a home
1: kind of i don't think that's unreasonable but think about it one of my greatest friends is in $300,000 worth of debt. She's a doctor. She's in oh $300,000 worth of debt. So what happens is when you get ready to buy a home and you meet with the loan officer, they want to know what's the payment you're making toward your student loans. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to go into this rabbit hole about student loans just yet. Well, maybe we'll save that for another meeting. But what happens is this. If you're on a repayment plan for $1,000 a month for student loan debt, you get two hundred and fifty dollars worth of credit cards. You get a four hundred dollar card note. Do that math. That's sixteen hundred dollars just on stuff that you owe anyway. Mm-hmm. And then match that against your income. You only make a hundred thousand dollars a year, you only bring home four thousand dollars every pay period. That might not make the most sense to buy a home right now. Yeah. You're a six figure earner, you're a doctor, you all of this, but you're in a lot of debt. So a lot of times I tell clients, hey, go into an income driven repayment plan, but then strategize that if it's an income driven repayment plan, there needs to be a certain amount of people in your household to drive that cost down because the loan officer is looking at how much is the debt to income
2: ratio. Oh, wow.
1: We've been taught to go to school, get good grades and get a good job, but nobody considered we in so much debt and that loan officer is not even going to approve you for the home you really want because you in so much student loan debt.
0: Yeah. So you can use time to rent for time to pay off. Right. You know, certain yeah. loans.
1: But there are certain folks who have um payment plans where they only pay twenty five dollars a month. <laughs> right? That's cool. Yeah. And in that instance, even if they're three hundred thousand dollars in debt, what the loan officer is looking for is the monthly amount you spend. Oh. So you need that to look really low. Yeah. You need the credit card debt to look really low. Oh, I only paid $25 in minimum payments. I only paid $25 to worth student loans. I only paid $25
0: to worth this. And then all of this is income. That's when you buy your home. Oh, wow. And then for renting, um, I hear, and even buying a car, the 30% rule, right? Renting is like 30%. Mm -hmm. Do you believe in that rule? It's not even a matter
1: if I believe in that rule. Landlords do want you to make 30% of, um, your income has to be 30% to the rent. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, so if the unit is $1,000 a month, you need to make at least $3,000 a month, mm-hmm. right? It's not really fair. Most folks aren't making $3,000 to that, but that's their rule. Mm-hmm. So whether I believe it or not, don't even matter. You just got to make that. But I understand why. Because here's the thing.
0: I would wonder, If I were a landlord, I would need that too. Yeah, because if you lose, they're thinking about if you lose your income. Right, because you're going to pay me. But then do you really think that people are saving three months worth of income because like that's a rule i hear yeah but is that really i i and i
1: think on the um i alluded to on the last time i was here about an emergency fund right now it's so difficult to build that but the emergency fund needs to be three to six months worth of living expenses most people aren't building that and it's not because they ban gym shoes or traveling it's because they just not making enough money yeah So, I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but that's what it is. Yeah. So, for me, a lot of times when I talk to clients, I start really digging deep, five levels deep. What do you do well? Is there a way we can monetize that? I know not everybody wants a five to nine outside of their nine to five, but we got to think of some
0: options to get some additional income. And what is, I don't know if you can share this, but like, what is the most creative? Kind of hobby or talent that you have helped a client monetize? <laughs> Y'all, I love
1: an ebook.
0: Really? That really works. Yeah, it does. So here's the thing:
1: everybody's been listening to this podcast. Mm. Everybody's not going to be able to meet with me, but they can read an ebook from me, right? Mm. And then they could share it with a friend, or so on and so forth. So I do lean into the ebook. But the other thing do is, you have this. an ebook. I, I'm finishing one. Oh wow! Yeah, I am. And so next time I come, let me come on again. No, you're gonna yeah. come back. You have um, to. So that's part one. The other part is being a paid speaker, because a lot of times what I noticed last year is people were doing like courses. Nobody's signing up for your course.
2: Sorry, <laughs> okay.
1: they don't have the latitude to be on that on their own live. <laughs> they might buy that ebook that they could read in the meantime, in between time. Right. But people love paid speakers um and how do people get those gigs so here's the thing you always start with community-based organizations so Mm this is this is how i got paid gigs what i'm talking to you about this is foreign information to some people i started pounding the pavement and going to like halfway houses and saying hey this is what i talk about Mm -hmm. do you see any value in this yes i do Hey, I'm willing to pay you $250. People have money in their budgets, whether they're nonprofit or for-profit, for paid speakers. Yeah. But when you leave, because you're going to leave, you have to leave them with, hey, I also have a book or an e-book
2: mm. for
1: the people who wasn't here. And there's money, there's typically money in people's budget for a line item for training. And that's where that book comes in. If anybody has any expertise in anything, they need to be writing a book.
2: Yeah.
1: Or e-book. Yeah. And then you just get those that income from that. It's not those courses. I'm telling you this, Brandy, because courses were so big over the last two years. Sign up for my course. It's thirty nine ninety nine.
0: You can go when I broke into the podcasting world. Yeah. It it was like they were charging. they were like, oh yeah, if you want help with this, if you want help with that. And then honestly, like just by googling and going through some things, I'm like, I know your course.
1: Yeah, you can go right on. You can go right on TikTok and get their course. Right. So that's why I'm a firm believer right now. We're shifting from the course to an actual paid speaker. I have made more money coming in and not ripping people off, but saying, hey, this is the value I bring. Can I speak for an hour? Mm. And this is my rate for an hour. And they pay me that. And then I use that income to pay down my debt. I use that income to build my dreams, whatever it is. So somebody's going to be on your podcast and say, well, I don't like to speak in
0: front of people. That's when you start writing that ebook. Yeah you know, so. I love that. And as we close out, I'm thinking about a conversation that happens a lot. And I hear at work, some of the older millennials talking to the younger millennials and Gen Z, and they're like, you all are lazy. Like they're talking to us and they're like, you all are lazy because how do you want to go from being whatever to C-suite, you know? But my thought is, yeah there's a balance but is it that we're valuing ourselves more because a lot of them were saying like you want to be paid to do this you want to be paid to do that but i'm like i think that you should be proud that you help pave the way for those kind of opportunities um but the thought is you know they'll say i have worked at companies where people have been managers for 20 years that's good for them that they had the patience but that's not me and so I do think about when you're trying to invest in yourself and build wealth, and really think about what are you know make strategic moves in your career and monetize things. There are some people who are look down on it and say you're lazy or you are a brat, and I don't think that that's really the case. I think there's a there's a line between the two.
1: I am an older not ooh, I'm not the oldest millennial, but I'm like <laughs> in between. Like I'm a millennial, but I have the ideology and mindset of the generation after me mm. they're doing it right yeah they're saying efficiency is best yeah i value me i value my time we're never going to get the time back yeah right so i here's the thing you say whatever you want to say you can say somebody lazy if they can do the job in 20 minutes that took you two weeks who is that on is that on you or i don't know Mm -hmm. And if they can do it well. They're going to do it well. I'm so impressed. Anybody who's on my staff who's Generation Z, they're so impressive to me. I'm so amazed by them because two reasons. Number one, they're going to do it fast. But number two, they're going to do it right. They still value their reputation. They do it right. They do it fast. Right. And that's what I admire most is that I want to make sure I share all this information with you in an efficient way but in the right way. And that's what Generation Z does. Yeah. You have a command over that.
0: Sorry. Yeah. It's true. And it's funny, too, because, um, you know, I was reading about one lady who was selling feet pics, and she paid $90,000 of debt off. Yeah. I'm not mad at that. But, so I be speak- like, be. I, I, oh, so- I have a
1: colleague. I, well, let me not don't Google <laughs> where it works.
0: But <laughs> she...
1: Makes she just started two months ago she makes two thousand dollars <laughs> on top of income and you may say two thousand dollars is nothing but just to take a fee pick period do it fast do a defense pay the debt down live the life of your dreams
0: yeah i love i always love talking to you oh, we have thank you time. so much for coming and you are going to Keep I'm coming, coming back. back. Like, yeah. this is going to be a recurring thing. Thanks. Um, but before you go this week, is there, what is your quote and what is your question?
1: So, if I had to think about a quote, I always say, if you don't take care of your credit, then your credit won't take care of you.
0: Mm. Ouch. Yeah. Okay. What about your question?
1: I do have a question for the listeners. How do you plan? for large purchases or investments that require using credit.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Viv. I can't wait to have you back. It has been a blast um, speaking with you. And thank you all for tuning in. Have a great week.